2: Welcome to Paranormal Thoughts Podcast, and as always, thanks for joining me. In this episode, we're going to be talking about skinwalkers. But just before we get into that, though, I just want to say if you enjoy this episode or any of our previous episodes, please subscribe to the podcast. We're on a majority of podcast hosting websites, so whatever your preference is to use, subscribe so you can keep in the loop of everything that's going on. Uh, If you could do one massive thing for me, it would be a massive help, um, especially if you're an Apple podcast user, so you know you use the podcast app on your iPhone. Uh, is to leave a five-star rating and also leave a little review. Uh, It just helps the podcast get pushed up into people's recommendations more. So if you could do that, uh, that would probably be the best thing uh, just to help the podcast kind of get out to more people. I just want to say as well, uh, the podcast has grown massively this year. And I think I mentioned that quite a few times already, but just in the last month alone, the amount of growth has been, it's just been absolutely insane. So I really do think... All the returning listeners and any new listeners as well. Um, The podcast is almost three years old now, Uh, and I just remember you know the first episode getting fifty listens, and that was just incredible. That people you know were interested in what I had to say, and and now it's grown to what it is, what it's become today, and it's just it's just awesome. I must say that we've kind of got this community growing, and it's forever growing as well. It's just really exciting. But um, so thank you for that. Um, We are also on Facebook and Instagram. Just search Paranormal Thoughts Podcast. We have a blog as well, and there'll be a bunch of um, images and some links uh, relevant to this episode, which is paranormalthoughtspodcast.wordpress.com. We also have a PayPal donation as well. So if you go into the, the description of this episode, there is one link, and you can open that up, and everything from the Facebook page to the blog to the PayPal donation link, even to our merch, everything is one easy click away. If you just go into the description of this podcast and open that up, you can find everything there. So with the donations, uh, I would obviously don't expect anyone to donate but if you feel like you want to you know I had some people reach out and say they like to you know give a couple bucks every year to um their favorite podcast so I thought well I'm gonna open that give that an option and you know I can use that money to sort of put back into the podcast and you know I have some ideas to uh benefit you guys with that money so if you feel free you know no pressure at all podcasts are free and that's the way they should stay but if you want to support in any way possible. uh, It is definitely greatly appreciated. Thank you so much for listening, guys. It really means the world. Let's get into this episode. So I wanted to talk about skinwalkers on this episode because I feel like it's something I heard about quite some years ago, but never really resonated with, never kind of looked into what a skinwalker was or what their purpose was. Um, And then I suppose in the last few years, I've seen the topic of skinwalkers come up a lot online and a lot of people um, through creepypasta telling stories about skinwalkers. And since then, I've kind of got my head around what exactly they are and uh, everything along those lines. But it wasn't until really this week I decided to do some more research and kind of really see what they're all about. It is kind of interesting how certain things kind of become popular especially something like skinwalkers where they've been around for thousands of years or at least the concept of them um, and then it's probably only been since the the 90s that the white man has kind of uh, come across what a skinwalker is and and then I suppose in the last few years with you know things like Reddit and everything like that and YouTube obviously um, the amount of stories and accounts that have come forward since then uh, has just been massive so that's obviously the way I originally came across what a skinwalker was. And so I thought, well, if it's that popular, let's talk about it and let's actually, you know, figure out what they are. So to break down what a skinwalker is, they are Native American shapeshifters. It's the Navajo Native Americans who believe in skinwalkers and that's kind of where it all originally originated from. But it's not just limited to the Navajos either. There's a few different tribes um, there as well. But then there's other Native American tribes who don't so much. They have other... I suppose, versions of a skinwalker, but I suppose it's all a similar kind of thing. They're pretty much witches who have the ability to shapeshift into animals. Obviously, through Native American culture, they have healers and medicine men, right? When people are taught those skills to actually, you know, be able to heal people, they also learn the opposite side of that, the darker kind of black magic um, more sinister stuff as well. So, when they have to sort of fight off any sort of negative entities or energies, um, they're able to do that because they understand what that actually is. So anyone who is trained up to be a healer also learns all of the sort of darker side of things as well. So they can sort of choose to whether to sort of use their abilities to help and heal, or they can kind of go down the other path, which is frowned upon, of course, but they have the opportunity to you know become a witch and be able to cast spells and make people's lives cause unfortunate events onto their victims. So in order to become a skinwalker, that person has to pretty much seek out a secret society who will require them to do a few different things to prove that they're worthy of you know, being able to harness this power. And I suppose the biggest thing that they have to do is kill a close family member. And after this, it's believed that that person will then have supernatural abilities. Skinwalkers can shapeshift into any animal. Now, I'm not 100% sure if it works one or two ways here. From reading online, a skinwalker will kill an animal and then they'll wear that skin of that animal, so say a wolf or a coyote, and then they can shapeshift into that animal, right? That makes sense. They're wearing the skin, kind of hence the name, and then whatever animal they choose to kill Um, They can wear the skin of that particular animal and then, you know, shapeshift into that animal. But then also reading online and from reports uh, of people seeing skinwalkers, I also have an understanding that they can kind of shapeshift into any animal at any point of time, uh, completely up to that uh, skinwalker. So I'm not really sure. I think it makes sense that they would have to wear the skin of that particular animal. But in saying that too, I've read other things, so... You know, I'm not really sure, but skinwalkers are seen to be wearing in their human form a animal pelt, such as a coyote or a wolf. Other type of animals people often see are cougars, dogs, bears, but really um, even people have seen owls, but often they are coyotes or wolves. The thing with skinwalkers is they don't just take on the natural ability of that said animal that they've shapeshifted into. They're a lot of more powerful, they're a lot stronger and a lot faster. Uh, I'm going to read a report shortly where skinwalkers can literally run up, you know, up to 60 miles an hour, or 100 kilometers um, an hour, uh, running up against the side of a car. Or, you know, people can see the animal, and literally in the blink of an eye, they've just run off. You know, they're extremely fast, extremely powerful. Uh, they also have the ability to possess people. If you look into a skinwalker's eyes, it's believed that they can take power of you. There's a lot more than just transforming into that particular animal. They also have all these other all this other strength and all this other power. So they're kind of like a perfect killing machine in a sense. And that's the other thing too. A skinwalker in their animal state is almost impossible to kill. It's believed that you can say their name, their human name to them and that also, that pretty much can kill them or make them, you know, powerless. Or you can also shoot the skinwalker in the head or neck with a bullet that's been dapped in white ash. It's believed that a skinwalker will kill, you know, out of greed, anger, revenge, um, but it's also to keep them alive as well. So you, they pretty much have a unexpired life, but they have to continue to kill to just to uh, replenish themselves, so they can actually remain immortal. Obviously, a skinwalker looks like the animal that it's transformed into, but there's a few different elements that make them not quite look right. that's how people often know that they're not dealing with a regular animal. A big thing is their eyes. Skinwalkers apparently have quite bright yellow eyes and it's not like a regular animal where you might, you know, reflect a... You might might shine a torch into an animal's eyes and they have that kind of um, reflective look. It's more like the eyes aren't being... aren't reflecting light. They're actually, I suppose, projecting light as if the light source is behind the eyes. Another thing as well is... They might have human hands or feet. Uh, Maybe their face is quite human in a sense. It's kind of like a mix between. So They don't quite look right. And another aspect too is they will often be on their hind legs. So there's a few different aspects there where people go, what the fuck is this thing I'm looking at? And that's often how they would know that they're not dealing with a regular animal. And that's, I suppose, where you really got to start having a bit of concern. So when I started to research into skinwalkers, I obviously knew that it was relevant to Native Americans, but I didn't realize that it was just a few tribes within the actual um, within the actual culture, you know, such as the Apache, the Hopi, the Navajos. I kind of didn't realize that it was quite isolated, but when you start to look at all these accounts, they're quite spread, not just in the United States, but all around the world as well. So I kind of, you know, you get a bit of a picture of how big is this or what actually Classifies as a skinwalker what could be a regular shapeshifter. So I kind of wanted to reach out to a Native American to get their opinion. I didn't really want to bring someone on because I know it is quite taboo to speak about. So I reached out to a Native American medicine man who I have crossed paths with uh, a few years ago. He lives here in Australia. So I just kind of sent him a quick message just saying, hey, um, I'm doing a podcast on skinwalkers, and he's a Cherokee man. His name is Bobby Running Fox. And now the Cherokee Native Americans don't really have the same belief um, as like the Navajos and so on with skinwalkers. So he sent me just like two sentences, but I think it's interesting because he mentions something that I hadn't read about. So he goes on to say, Cherokee called them shapeshifters. Most all tribes had one trained earlier in life to have the ability to transform into any animal, mostly used for hunting or finding where animals were when hiding so hunters could find meat for the long winters. Throughout the years, the practice was phased out. There were some remnants of shapeshifters or skinwalkers and some think that they were evil, so they were pushed out and no longer fit into the tribe and they became angry. So that's interesting because I didn't come across that there was a purpose to shape-shifting or to skinwalkers. As Bobby Running Fox just said there, the purpose was to actually be able to transform into the animal so you could hunt them easier. And that makes a lot of sense, I think. And obviously him being a Cherokee Native American that was passed down from family and people within that community. So that makes a lot of sense, I think. That gives it a reason. Um, and obviously once you have the sort of reason for them to be able to do that, you can sort of like sway away from that. They sort of push that out I and mean, then they became angry and seeked revenge. And obviously, as soon as people realized that you could do, you could become a skinwalker, they wanted to use that to, you know, their advantage and, and you know, not do it for necessarily positive and proactive reasons to, you know, just to cause harm and benefit themselves. Now, I'm sure if you have heard of skinwalkers, you've probably heard of the place called Skinwalker Ranch. Now, this probably could have its own podcast, to be perfectly honest, so I'll just kind of briefly go through what Skinwalker Ranch is. It's pretty much a paranormal hotspot in Utah. Skinwalker Ranch did have some Native Americans who were relocated onto that property back in the 1800s. Then in the early 1900s, a family set up a homestead on the property and they started to report strange occurrences happening and since then anyone who anyone who lived on the property also experienced things such as skinwalkers obviously because of the name uh ufo sightings poltergeists cattle mutilations all of these very bizarre happenings all on this property of land so nothing was really known paranormal wise at the ranch until about 1994 when terry and gwen sherman moved their children and their cattle onto the ranch and began to experience a lot of paranormal happenings A year later, the National Institute of Discovery of Science, aka NIDS, was formed. In 1996, Desert News broke an article about the strange activity happening at Skinwalker Ranch. Weeks after the news broke, the family sold the land to billionaire Robert Bigelow, and he moved NIDS onto the property and began doing research. Robert Bigelow allowed one journalist onto the ranch, and that happened to be George Knapp. And as you guys know, uh, George Knapp was the one to break the Bob Lazar story, and that's kind of what has now led on to the whole Mary 51, people, you know, want truth, and all of that's kind of been going on. So George Knapp was a massive um, ambassador for the paranormal uh, back in the back in the sort of time. So that's kind of where the whole, that's where the whole thing of Skinwalker Ranch sort of broke, because George Knapp wrote a book. And now Jeremy Corbell, who, you know, did the documentary with Bob Lazar, and um, a bunch of other documentaries as well has just recently released a documentary on Skinwalker Ranch. So it's definitely from you know '96 through right now. Uh, it's definitely really blown up, and I think that's probably to do with the whole Skinwalker thing as well. Um, in the last sort of 20 years, it's definitely all really come to the surface of things. So that's kind of Skinwalker Ranch in a in a sort of brief history of it. Uh, a lot of strange events happen uh, and they currently are still happening. Once you look up Skinwalkers, Skinwalker Ranch is going to pop up. So I thought I should mention exactly what it is, but it's a massive hotspot spot for paranormal activity. Go check out a little more about the Skinwalker Ranch. It's almost a bit of a different topic, but obviously um, I thought I should touch on it because it is relevant.
1: Selling a little or a lot? because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com/work. shopify.com/work. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door.
2: I thought I should read a couple stories of people witnessing skinwalkers because that's where it gets really interesting and pretty terrifying, I think. They're not something you really want to run into. Here's a story from Neptune420 off uh, Reddit. Love the name. My father owns a small delivery service that operates out of Famington. We mostly deliver small packages out to the middle of nowhere that are too much of a hassle for the larger delivery companies to bother with. My dad is the only employee and we have a few pickup trucks for trailer. One day we got a delivery out to Window Rock in Arizona, on the Navajo reservation, about two hours from Farmington. My dad gets the call out for the job while he's chilling out with his Navajo friend Travis. Travis mentions he's got family out in Window Rock and he hasn't seen them in ages, so he suggests we go with him. I was about six or seven at the time and it was the summertime, so dad decides we'll go down together. He can do the delivery real quick, then while Travis sees his family we can go check out Window Rock. We had to convoy in separate trucks since my dad's was loaded down with freight. We decided to bring along some walkie-talkies so we could communicate with one another. We spend our time at Window Rock, everything is generally uneventful, and we start heading back home on the highway. My dad and I are in the front, with Travis and his girlfriend in their truck behind us. I honestly don't remember most of the Window Rock trip, but this next part I can never forget. We're somewhere out on the highway between Window Rock and Gallup, New Mexico. It had just rained earlier in the day, so the road was kind of slick, and we're taking it pretty slow. On the left of the highway, there is nothing but sandstone cliffs, but on the right, there's a huge field separated from the road by a small barbed wire fence. We crest over the top of this hill, and then down the bottom of the hill, we see what appears to be a very large dog sitting on its hind legs in the middle of the road, facing the cliffs. My dad calls over the radio, Hey Trav, do you see this big-ass dog? Travis starts yelling back over the radio, That is not a dog. Speed up and hit it. He sounded almost hysterical. He just keeps screaming, Hit it. You have to hit it. Please, please hit that fucking thing right now. So my dad starts to speed up and we get a bit closer. He can begin to see it a little more clearly. It's covered in brown, wiry, matted hair that appears to have dry blood all over it. It's still facing the cliffs, but the moment our headlights hit it, it turns and looks at us. It has a face. I don't know how else to describe it other than a mix between a bear and a human's face. It looks twisted and distorted and almost in pain. As we get close to the thing, we start to realise it's actually fucking huge. Though it's still sitting on its back legs, it's at shoulder height with the hood of the truck. We get literally inches from hitting it when it lets out the scream that sounds like someone's screaming as their lungs filled with water. It leaps backwards towards the field, landing just on the side of the barbed wire fence, and then in another leap, it's gone from sight. Travis comes over the radio again. Holy shit. Keep driving. We need to get out of here. We need to go faster. And he just kept repeating that last part. We have to get out of here. We have to go faster. Pretty soon, we are speeding like crazy. And just as we start to come near the outskirts of Gallup, we get pulled over. Travis pulls his truck over with us. Naturally, this makes the cop, a Navajo man himself, very on edge and immediately asks Travis why he felt the need to pull over as well. Travis says to the officer, we just saw a skinwalker a few miles back and it's been following us. The officer immediately turns white, stammers something about a verbal warning and gets in his car and takes off. We do the same. We didn't see anything else the rest of the night, but when we got home, Travis refused to let us leave without us taking some kind of Navajo totem thing that was supposed to keep it away. So I love that story because it actually features two Navajo men, uh, both quite disturbed by the sight, or at least the thought of seeing a skinwalker. It gives a really good um, description as well of how twisted the thing looked and how it just definitely didn't look like a regular dog. So here's this next story. And this is also from Reddit from iron underscore Jesus. I come from a small town in Northern Arizona. My high school being so small, on average about 80 students enrolled every year, we always had to travel about five to 10 hours one way to play another high school in any sport. That means we traveled a lot on the Navajo reservation. Usually we stayed at hotels when we would head out to play and come home in the morning, but this trip was a little different. I remember the basketball coach saying that the school didn't have enough money to put the teams up in a hotel that trip. because we're gonna have to be in the road for a total of 12 hours. We just got done playing our game and headed home on our bus, Big Blue. We were headed out and it wasn't long, about two hours of driving before we had entered the res. By this time, everyone was asleep, with it being about two in the morning. When we had crossed the reservation's border, I noticed the bus driver had sped up and now was going about 85 miles per hour. I thought this was a little weird because he had never exceeded that speed limit. I just sat back on the bus, staring out the window at the desolate desert landscape that was lit up by the full moon. As I looked out, I could see a figure running towards the bus at an angle of pursuit and keeping up with the bus that was travelling at 85 miles an hour. As the figure got closer, I saw that it was a humanoid form. As a matter of fact, it looked exactly like a human, only that the face was painted half black and half white with glowing eyes. I immediately thought, holy crap, it's a skinwalker. The skinwalker ran up to the edge of the road and kept up its pace, with the bus hurtling sage, brush, and rocks while staring at me. After I made eye contact with the thing, I could not look away. It was as if something was holding my head and keeping my eyes in place. The skinwalker just smiled at me in its inhuman smile that went ear to ear, showing crooked yellow pointed teeth. I felt like I was going to throw up and I was panicking throughout the whole ordeal. The skinwalker started to crumble down on all fours, still keeping up with the bus. I could see its bones crack and reform. Hair started appearing all over the skinwalker's body and in about three seconds it was now a coyote and it ran off back into the desert out of view. As soon as it was gone out of sight, I ran to the onboard bathroom and puked, a mixture of food and blood. I didn't want to tell anyone for the fear they would think I was crazy. I confided my Navajo friend. She told me I needed to see a chief, who also happened to be a friend of mine, and get a blessing. I saw him the next school day in the parking lot. He just came up to me and mumbled something in Navajo while waving a feathered spectre-like thing. And then he turned around and got back in his truck. To this day, I haven't seen another skinwalker. It might be due to the fact I moved away from the area. And if I do go south, I go way around. So as you just heard there perfect example of the skinwalker actually shape-shifting in front of someone's eyes which sound pretty terrifying with the whole bones sort of reforming and cracking and all that and then it also having uh, extreme speed as well so um, that's obviously turned that uh, person completely off going onto a reservation. This next one is from Navajo underscore Joe and this one's a bit shorter but I really like this one. And it reads, I was a kid when this happened. My uncle and I were fishing and chopping up, gathering firewood for my grandmother because it was getting dark. Driving back up the dirt road at about 30 miles per hour, I had an awful sense of being watched. Before I could turn to look at my window, the passenger side, my uncle quickly shouted, don't. I completely froze. My heart felt like it was beating out of my chest and then completely stopped when I heard a tap on the window. My uncle sped up and started loudly praying in my native language. I didn't know what was going on and thought it was over until the truck suddenly dipped from the bed. My uncle started saying, look at me and don't look away. Then I heard it again, tap, tap, up from the window behind me. It was getting harder for me to breathe and I wanted to cry. A minute or two passed and the truck dipped again. My uncle looked around and sighed. It was so quiet besides the truck on the road. My uncle looked at me and said, we will ask for your father to do a prayer in the morning so the evil forgets our faces. I remember curling up on the seat and just staring at the radio watching the time, listening to my uncle sing an old prayer until we got to our grandmother's house. I called my uncle because I had nightmares about that night. We talked for a bit and he said, I didn't see faces, just eyes. Like brake lights you see on the road, it watched you. Before hanging up, I tried joking to him about it. Why did not you just step on the brake when it was in the back? No laughter, just a pause. My uncle replied, because it was not alone. When I first read that story, I felt quite it felt quite eerie, and even just now, I kind of feel uh, I don't know, I'm like almost goosebumps, I suppose, because that's just such a frightening position to be in, where you know, I think you feel often safe when you're you know in a closed space like your house or a car, but um, not the case. But I think what's interesting is all of these, all of these stories have taken place at least on a Navajo reservation or with Navajo people present. So I don't think. The thing of skinwalkers is actually really as widespread as we're made to believe, right? So there are heaps of accounts, as I was sort of saying earlier, all over the world. Someone just sent me the other day a Yowie, which is a Bigfoot, an Australian Bigfoot sighting in far north Queensland. A woman in far north Queensland saw two Bigfoot, but there was also a third creature with them. She said the third creature was a strange looking pale white guy like the one all over the internet that was caught on the Hunter's camera. I can put a picture of that on the uh, blog for anyone who's wondering. The cheekbones were sunken and hollow, and they never glowed. They were just completely black. When I sort of see a picture like this, that kind of appears, to me anyway, that could be a skinwalker, right? It's kind of this weird creature, humanoid-looking thing. That was here in Australia, right? And that could potentially be a traditional skinwalker, but I don't think that makes much sense. I think it's probably something else, right? But I think all these weird shape-shifting looking kind of creatures probably all get lumped in with skinwalkers. As I said earlier, Bobby Running Fox said they weren't skinwalkers to the Cherokee people, they were these shapeshifters. So I think there's probably different terms and different cultures um, that have these creatures, you know, and who's to say this thing in Final Queensland was a humanoid creature it could be something completely different. But I just think it's interesting from doing this research, I don't think majority of, I think a lot of stuff that people are reporting aren't skinwalkers in a traditional sense. There's something else. And I haven't really seen anyone talk about that because that's, that's interesting. I think it's so easy to be like, that's a skinwalker. But when you actually look at it, uh, if it wasn't on, you know, Navajo or a Native American type reservation or with Native American people present, It's probably not that because from what I can tell is that skinwalkers are targeting other Native Americans or at least anyone who gets involved somehow within that. I don't think they're necessarily there to just kill anyone for the sake of it they probably need a reason so I think that's something to take away from is why why are there all these other sightings all around the world and as you know are they something else not everything could possibly be a skinwalker I think there are other type of shapeshifters out there that people are most likely seeing as well but I think the three stories I read um, there I definitely believe would be skinwalkers just because of where they were taking place and the people who were also involved I think it's interesting that even today in 2019, we still believe skinwalkers to be relevant, that obviously people are still practicing this dark magic to be able to, you know, become skinwalkers or there's, you know, uh, leftovers, there's remnants of people once becoming skinwalkers and they're still now living here. I think, you know, like anything, the internet has definitely helped the popularity of this topic and far more people know about them now as i said doing this research it's interesting because a lot of native americans won't speak about the topic and i think a good way to end this podcast is to play this grab and um it's from it's from ghost adventures and you know i have pretty mixed feelings about that show um in my opinion they could be talking about something that i 100% believe in but the way that they present it i just feel like it's bullshit so but when they they went to Skinwalker Canyon, which is another location, another Native American reservation, where Navajo people won't enter it just because it is where witches um, cast spells and where skinwalkers are notorious for being spotted, um, and they decided to go film an episode there, um, which is quite entertaining actually, because they get high and you know they're just driving around. <laughs> um, but anyway. They go speak to a local Navajo man, and uh, I feel like this is an interesting thing that he says. So something very serious could, could happen to us. Not to you. Not to me. Why? You don't
1: believe in the Skinwalker. I do, though. No, you don't. You I think do. you do, but if you really believed in the Skinwalker, you wouldn't be going to
2: Skinwalker Canyon. I just love that that if you actually did believe in this you wouldn't go looking for it. That's what you can really take away from Skinwalkers is that the people who have reason to fear them are, are the ones who aren't talking about it and just trying to ignore it. And I just love that. I think that's that's just so interesting and it it actually makes me really believe in it. I suppose they do really fear them and they just don't want they don't want anything to do with them. They just want to live their life. They don't want to be cursed, they want to be killed. And the fact that that still is relevant today really just goes to show I think it really just backs up the claims that people have about them and really makes me believe that there is something, you know, out on these reservations that, you know, can shapeshift into an animal and has the ability to do a lot of harm. What do you guys think about skinwalkers? Um, it's definitely an interesting topic. There's a lot of information that isn't available, that's for sure, but there's a fuckload of accounts online that really are interesting and they're just scary. I think that's what's interesting you know it's that whole thing of fear you know um nothing really disturbs me anymore but hearing um people talk about skinwalkers it's it's quite an eerie thing i definitely think you know it's something i don't think you'd really want to run into i'd love to hear what you guys think you know if there's any uh native americans who listen to the podcast i'd love to hear from your sort of perspective of it um if you wanted to reach out but I'm going to leave it there. Um, As I've always said, guys, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast. Um, As I said earlier, it'd be really great if you use the Apple podcasting app, if you could rate the podcast five stars and leave a review, because if you don't leave a review, the rating actually doesn't mean anything. It won't actually process. So that'd be really greatly appreciated. So thank you, guys. I look forward to seeing you in another podcast episode really soon. Thanks. Bye.